Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Amanda. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing digital safety. So with the pandemic, uh, we are obviously all spending a lot more time online than we used to, or maybe the same amount of time. I don't know. I would guess probably more time. But anyways... This is something that um, that we've noticed we've been wanting to talk about because it's not just adults, right, that are using online um, and technology more. It's also kids. So um, today what we're going to be talking about is how to keep kids safe online, how to um, set up your home so that cyber safety is a priority And uh, you can help reduce the chance that uh, children will be victimized, uh, your your kids will be victimized while they're online. And so this has always been an issue, right? I mean, I remember being younger and having the same conversations about, you know, don't give out your name, don't give out your address, stuff like that online. But, you know, at, at that point, we were already maybe a little bit older, middle school, stuff like that. This is happening to kids who are much younger now because they're doing school online. They're doing, you know, all this stuff at home and those resources are there now for them to use outside of just school and they maybe didn't have those before. So just kind of getting into the feel of even younger kids are going to need to know these things. Yeah. And I think oftentimes... Oftentimes when we frame discussions around digital safety, we're also we're framing it from the perspective of parents like going through their phones or like checking on their social media to make sure that they're not talking to people they shouldn't be talking to and stuff like that. And while, yeah, that's like going to be some important pieces to it is like making sure that your kid isn't potentially going to be in a situation where they're going to get harmed. There's a lot of other things that are going to be at play when we need to discuss digital safety because it's more than just checking their social medias. Because digital safety is the fact that, like Ali said at the start, we're spending more, far more time online than we ever have, especially because, you know, COVID and being stuck at home for a year. But just the outlets that we have in order to have discussions online, a lot of them take place outside of social media and stuff, too. Right. And, you know, our I think that our generation is starting to have kids. And our generation was the first generation to learn about internet safety and learn about, you know, as kids. Um, That was part of our curriculum, you know, in our computer classes. We were told um, to look out for stranger danger even online, that if you put your address out there, it's going to be on the internet forever, um, and that somebody could come to your home and harm you um, and don't meet up with strangers and that sort of thing. And while those are all really Still, those are still relevant. Of course, we should be weary of strangers online. There are so many more facets to online safety now um, that that we need to be talking about. It's not just don't give your information. It's 
um, make sure that the pictures that you are posting are appropriate and are not going to be harmful or taken out of context. It's going to, it's going to be, um, making sure that language isn't used in video games. You know, a, a lot of other things that maybe we didn't learn in school, um, because the internet was a little bit newer and we were talking about purely stranger danger safety. Well, one of the biggest problems we have with like the stranger danger thing is like, don't talk to strangers online or like, don't meet, don't meet strangers and stuff. They're not going to be strangers. Yeah. It's like, if your kid is making friends on social media or like through like the comments, the sections and stuff on TikTok or like playing video games and stuff with them is these people aren't going to end up being strangers is they're going to view these people as their friends. So when you're saying, oh, don't go meet strangers online, like, well, yeah, we know to stay away from strangers, but those people aren't strangers. They're my friends because I've talked to them over an extended amount of time or had interactions with them multiple times. So they're not even viewing these people as strangers. They're their friends. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I think that we should kind of start this conversation um, first. I think we need to make it clear that it's not just, um, you know, chat rooms and social media. We're talking about things like Sean was saying, like video games, right? I mean, so many kids are playing video games and those video games have the technology to be connected to other people more so than ever, right? So let's talk about the different areas of the cyber topic <laughs> that parents need to be looking out for. It's not just chat rooms and it's not just Facebook. Yes, like looking at video games, that was one of the things that I had a lot of interactions with growing up. Like I played video games almost every day after school, specifically World of Warcraft. And the people that I was meeting in World of Warcraft, like, I still consider a lot of those people my friends today. It's like, I'm friends with some of them on Facebook. Like, I don't really talk to them a whole lot anymore. But a lot of those people were some of my best friends throughout like middle school and high school, like other than the friends that I knew in real life. But some of them were like 40 year old people. And it's not the fact that I was putting myself at risk then to be like, harmed by these people, but I was interacting with them on a daily basis, so they were my friends. They would ask me like how like school was and stuff, like what I wanted to do when I grew up, like get to getting to know me questions like your friends would ask you. But it was also that my mom was still involved with like what I was doing. So like my guild leader and stuff in World of Warcraft, he knew who my mom was. And him and my mom had had discussions while I was sitting on like on chat and stuff with them, like she would come in the room and like chat with them and stuff. So my mom knew all of these people too. Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at video games as a avenue that we need to look at keeping kids safe in, it's not that we need to isolate them from communicating with people altogether, but it's understanding that there are some people who they might be interacting with on video games who could potentially do them harm. So we need to, as parents, you need to kind of, not keep an, not necessarily like keep an eye like or harp over them while they're playing video games, but just get to know who they're chatting with or who they're playing with regularly. Because yeah, maybe it's going to be their friends from school, but it could also be just some person that they met online who they enjoyed playing with, so they continually play with them. And in that same respect, make sure that they know that your kid is a kid, because there's a lot of times going on. You know, kids don't necessarily sound like kids in these kinds of video game scenarios. 
and there just may be inappropriate language going on because they aren't aware that there is a minor or a child playing with them. Yeah. So uh, another two other um, two other social media or internet areas that I see as problematic and I think that we should talk about are platforms like YouTube and TikTok. Um, so these are not only sites where kids can, you know, they can have direct messages, they can comment on videos, so they can have communication. Um, and that can be problematic. But what I see is even more problematic is the content that they view, right? Because especially like on YouTube, I've seen this with my nieces and nephews. We'll be watching one video like a you know, like somebody un- unboxing a toy or whatever. And the next video that autoplays is something that's completely inappropriate. And if parents aren't in the room for a long period of time, what these videos keep doing is they keep curating, you know, like if you're not, um, if you're not Xing out of inappropriate videos, they're going to keep playing more that are relevant to that past content. Um, And so a lot of these videos can be dangerous. They can have um, inappropriate content, of course, but they can even go as far as, um, you know, we've all seen these these reports of videos that are encouraging young kids to commit suicide. Um, They're encouraging them to run away from their parents. Um, Basically just trolls online wreaking havoc. Uh, But for children we know that kids believe whatever they see, right? So um, I think that that's important too, is that you're not only aware of where they're, what site they're on, but you're kind of watching out to make sure that the videos that they're going on and those algorithms aren't ending your child up in a, in a harmful place. Right, because those we- videos, um, the people who are creating those videos they're putting tags in there. They're putting titles in there that are going to make it seem like it's something that should go along with what your kids are already watching. Right. But then once it get into the content part, it's not appropriate at all. And looking at those content creators too, like on YouTube and TikTok, and I'll throw Twitch in there as well, which is an app for if people don't know, you can watch people just stream video games and stuff. Obviously, I'm a nerd, so yeah, I'm video games again mentioned but all of these platforms have these content creators that kids and teens are watching and if they're a fan of those people the messaging from those content creators starts kind of dictating then how your child or teen is viewing the world around them or some of their opinions or viewpoints So if you can keep tabs or at least kind of like understand or talk to your kid about what content they are watching on these social platforms, who they're watching, what those things, what they're talking about and having discussions with them and saying, okay, well, maybe that's not a great viewpoint or maybe that's not something that should be said and having discussions with those kids instead of just saying, nope, nope, stop watching those things because you're just going to push them to watch it more by telling them not to do something, but talking to them about what content they're watching it could be a step that could kind of help them. And content creators are also, there's been a slew of them. There's been multiple reports against multiple different content creators about them using their positions as a content creator who has fans to then put their fans in situations or to have discussions with their fans to manipulate or take care of them or groom them. And we'll talk a bit about grooming a little bit later. But 
if you're talking to your kid about who they're watching and making sure that they're not having those direct conversations and stuff, or if they are having those conversations, explain to them like how this could be harmful or problematic, you're helping protect your kid. Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of a, this is a bit of a tangent, but it brings to mind for me uh, a, a really well-known case from, um, uh, I think it was about, it was maybe 2014. Um, yeah, in 2014, uh, listeners might know it as the Slender Man stabbing. Um, so what happened is these two 12-year-old girls ended up stabbing their friend in the woods and um, intending to kill her because the videos they were watching and the research they were doing on the internet told them that this fictional character of Slender Man needed a sacrifice. Otherwise, they would be put in harm's way. Okay, so these girls became obsessed with this with this slender man issue right to the point where they actually carried this out and actually stabbed their friend us as adults we hear this and think that is insane right that is absolutely illogical of course there is no slender man of course he is not going to require a sacrifice from two 12 year old girls however children don't have the same logic that adults do I, we shouldn't have to say that, but we need to, because if people aren't understanding how this could happen, you need to back it up, right? Kids don't have the brain processes that we do as adults. They don't have the growth to know that Slender Man doesn't exist because the internet has been telling them that Slender Man does exist, right? So when we're having these conversations about internet safety, Coming at it from a child's perspective is going to be most helpful for you. If you're coming at it purely from an adult perspective saying, well, of course, my kid wouldn't believe, you know, that slender man, this this fantasy creature requires a sacrifice. You have to go down to a kid's level. Is that is it possible that they're being exposed to it enough that they end up believing it? I mean, kids have have invisible friends and kids have fantasies that they'll become princes and princesses and queens and kings one day. We have to remember that kids' imaginations can become reality much quicker than adults. Well, I think that gets to the point of us saying, like, it's not just social media where these things are happening. It's like, well, yes, you can find a bunch of that stuff on Reddit, which I would argue is a form of social media because it's people yeah. just posting on threads. But there's just creepy pasta pages that you can go and just read through like Wikipedia. And that's where and, these girls, that's where these girls got their information was creepy pasta and Reddit. Yeah. And if you're hearing any of these things and you don't know what any of these things mean, just feel free to Google it. Yeah. With creepy pasta, you might actually get creeped out about some of them just because some of them are really creepy. But I remember growing up and like the creepy pasta stuff. Cause like I love horror. Like I would spend hours just reading this like these different wikis on all of these different creepy pastas, and I would actively scare myself <laughs> to like even the point where you mentioned Slenderman. I'm just like, oh yeah, I actively remember driving home and feeling like I saw Slenderman in my rearview mirror and was terrified the rest of my drive. Yeah. So like, if this happens to me at like 17, 18, I'm like clearly. 
it makes it easy to understand how kids could be inter- like interpreted some of these stuff. Well, this is another, I mean, another area that parents should be looking at is your ki- the most basic internet usage out there is your kid's browser history. What are they Googling? Because again, if we're looking at child development, kids are constantly creating new pathways in their brains. They're constantly seeking new information. And the internet is possibly the easiest way for kids to to get that their fill of new information, right? So if they hear something or they see something that sparks their interest, they can go on a rabbit hole just as easily as us adults can. However, as adults, at some point, our logic can pull us out of that rabbit hole. Kids don't necessarily have that logic, right? So it can be a slippery slope from Googling Slenderman to ending up on a creepy pasta site that's telling you to stab your best friend. Um, so watch out for those things. And of course, this also brings up the issue of inappropriate content like pornography. Um, as kids you know, enter puberty and they're being a little bit more curious about bodies, uh, their browser history may indicate that to you as a parent. And just quickly, I'd point out too, if your kid is looking up something like slightly pornographic or things through their google history and you find it maybe instead of just like reprimanding or punishing them talk to them about it have those discussions about some of the things that they are looking up and use that as a opportunity to have discussions about sex or about like sexuality and stuff like that because then they're at least getting that information from you and not just from some random source online that you may hope is going to be good information. And maybe ask them where they heard it first. That can give you some real big clues to where they're spending their time. If they say, you know, I heard about, um, I don't want to give an example. (laughs) If they heard about some specific sexual topic um, and they're Googling it, ask them, you know, where did you first hear that? And if they're saying, oh, somebody at school said it, well, then, you kind of know what to look out for. But if they're saying, oh, you know, a Reddit thread told me that, then you might need to be monitoring other use on the internet. So I want to jump in real quick because I did mention grooming. I don't want to get like too far away from it before we have the discussion about it. So when I mentioned grooming, I mentioned it also like from the perspective of like that content creator. So like content creators, just as with like any other celebrity, because while you may not view content creators online as celebrities, they are celebrities because the way that the world is changing by spending more time online, we are giving more attention to internet personalities. So they are going to have that same kind of celebrity status that we might hold for somebody who's a famous artist or a famous um, actor or actress. So they have then the same positions of power over their fans that any other celebrity does. So there could be the opportunity for these internet personalities to use that position then to manipulate or groom that chi- groom your child to put them in a situation where they can take advantage of them then. And grooming is going to look different in every situation, but the main thing I want to point out with grooming is that everybody who grooms is going to look for some weakness or some opening that they can exploit or manipulate. So be it that kid has had a really rough day and they feel like they have no one to talk to about it. So they're talking to this person then. 
Or maybe as a parent, you have made it very clear that if your child is gay, that you do not want them, like you would not support them. So they look for that support through other means. And that might be the content creator that they look up to. Right. And, you know, grooming goes kind of hand in hand with grooming, I think, is that that typical, um, you know, stranger danger online safety that we're all pretty familiar with. Um, But grooming happens in person to person uh, interactions as well. You know, I think we've talked I think we talked about grooming a little bit in our episode last year about um, body safety and teaching kids consent. Um, that's what grooming is. Really, grooming is exploiting somebody's insecurities or manipulating them in some way that the groomer's needs are going to be met in the end. Um, and kids, because they are kids and because they are online, are um, they are more at risk for being vulnerable to these grooming behaviors. And what that grooming can lead to is a lot of those safety things that we're going to be concerned about. So meeting strangers online, um, you know, meeting them in real life, giving out addresses, even going as far as things like sextortion, which is um, going to be somebody uh, somebody encouraging or requesting another person to send uh, sexual images, videos, um, engage in otherwise sexual behavior online. Um, and kids are going to be more vulnerable to that, especially as they're exploring their sexuality as especially as they're exploring what puberty means for them. So um, it's just good to look out for. Grooming looks a lot, uh, you know, it looks different for every situation, but there are some common, uh, you know, some common behaviors that those who groom exhibit, right? And I would point out too that sometimes they can just use their celebrity status to be able to groom people. I was like, if you're listening, just think about, the celebrity you love or idolize the most. If that celebrity then, if you were to reach out to them and they messaged you back, how do you think that would make you feel? You sure. probably feel really cool. Like, oh, wow, this person who I look up to is now talking to me. That's awesome. So they could even just use the celebrity status that they have to take this awestruck person and potentially sextort them or get them to send them nude photos or to just manipulate that person into having sex with them or to meeting up. So keeping in mind that the things that people are doing online aren't just things that are happening online because we have lives outside of that sphere. And when we try to create this like dichotomy of like, okay, this is just happening online, so this isn't going to happen in real life. It's like, we can't do that. So making sure that we're keeping in mind that when our kids are watching different content creators that we keep up to date with those things or at least talk to your kids about who they're watching. It gives So it gives you some kind of knowledge about that. So it makes it so that you're more likely to have that that child talk to you like, oh, yeah, this guy also this person messaged me or I've been talking to them and then have conversations like, well, what have you been talking about? Or why is this person who is 20 years older than you even bothering to message you mm-hmm. like that? might come off as like, oh, maybe I should look into this a little bit further because that's odd. Right. But as a parent, think those things to yourself. Think that's odd. I need to look into it. But don't portray that to your child and then have them stop telling you those things. You know, you don't want them to to see you as, you know, this hovering thing that's coming in and saying, 
you know, that content creator is is just terrible. You know, you can't talk to them. You shouldn't follow them. Because like Sean said earlier, that's going to, one, make them want to do it more. And two, it's going to make them believe that you just don't understand. I mean, that's that's the kid. That's the teen thing, right, is our parents just don't understand us. And you don't want to push that wedge in there. Right. I think that's a really great place for us to kind of talk about the next steps. Like what are some tangible things that parents can do? Um, Because we probably have done a little bit of scaring at this point. If you haven't thought about some of these things and it's not, it's not meant to scare you necessarily, but it's meant to make you more aware that you can't be ignorant to your, your children's technology use. So I mean, I think that one of the biggest things that parents can do jumping off of what Amanda just said is that if your kid tells you that they've experienced something online, whether it's inappropriate or whether they're super excited about it or, um, you know, if it's an uncomfortable exchange that they had online, just listen to them, um, believe what they're saying and take an interest in it. Be mindful in that moment Um, because you want your kids to continue talking to you about those things. But if you go mama bear, or papa bear uh, at the first sight of, of internet trouble, uh, your kids aren't going to, your kids are going to continue to use the internet. That's, that's just going to happen. But they probably won't tell you the same things that they would have uh, if you had responded appropriately. And you might be thinking, well, then like, how do I even bother talking to my kids about this potentially being harmful tell them like you don't have to say like oh you talking to this person could like put you at risk to be like kidnapped or like sex trafficked and stuff but talk to them about how a relationship or talking to somebody like that age like starting a relationship or having like that kind of like really close relationship with somebody that much older or in that position of power could be harmful and help them understand that instead of saying the relationship you're having with this person is specifically harmful but help them understand that talking to somebody or having a close relationship with somebody older could potentially be harmful and like i'll go back to the example i used like when my mom was checking in on me while i was playing video games with these people like obviously at this point i'm like 14 15 years old and i'm having regular discussions with people who are 40s and stuff but through discussions that my mom had with those people she's also realizing that okay yeah these people are relatively safe for my son to be discussing with because they all had kids too so in discussions that my mom had with them she is seeing them now as just other parents who i'm spending time around so she understood then that okay if he does say something or if something does happen, like they're going to be viewing this as a parenting opportunity for them instead of me being putting myself at risk. So if you're involved with your kid, it makes it a lot easier to have those discussions and maybe even have discussions with the people who they are talking to that. Right. And there should be no reason that, it makes the content creator, the person that your kids are talking to, uncomfortable or feeling like, why is your parent getting involved in this? If they do, huge red flag. 
that makes you go, okay, why wouldn't I be able to have this conversation with you concerning my child that you're talking to? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, that just spending time with your kids online, um, and talking about internet, talking about technology, um, is a huge protective factor in this issue. Um, one way that you can do that, I think practically, is to make sure that your kids are using technology in shared spaces where you have access to see the content if you were to just walk by. Um, you know, a lot of families have more than one computer now. Um, a lot of families have tablets and kids have smartphones. Um, but putting those regulations in place, you know, for example, if you're going to be on the iPad, I need you to be in the living room. Or if you're going to use my laptop, I need you to be in the office where I can see it. Those are going to be really important boundaries that you set. So your kids know that, uh, not only is there, um, you know, safety issues, but that you have the right to look at what they're doing as their parent that cares about them. And taking that in, or simply just like taking an interest in stuff and that they're watching. So like, then this might be easier for me to say, because again, nerd, but like if I had a kid who was watching some streamer on Twitch and they really enjoyed the content that that person was watching, I was like, okay, well, the next time they're going, the next time they go live, let me know and I'll watch it with you. Because that can be something then, even if I didn't care about what the video game the person was, I'm one, spending quality time with my kid, but two, I'm taking an interest in what they're doing and watching. So now that kid knows that, okay, so my parents do kind of care about what I'm doing, or they do have at least something that I can relate to my kid on. So if that content, if they are having discussions with that content creator or like something happens or that they say something during that live while I'm watching with my kid, I can use that as a teachable moment for them. Exactly. Knowing that, you know, how how we've talked about in the past, things can be problematic and we can still enjoy them. And if you are watching with your kids Mm -hmm. and you see those problematic moments and you can address them at the time and say, you know, maybe that wasn't quite appropriate, but these other things that they talk about are, you know, really funny or really great or informative um, so that they know that they don't have to idolize this person and just follow blindly with anything that they say. They can still appreciate that content while questioning some of the things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think moving forward with, you know, some tangible tips, this next one is, I mean, kind of an overarching one, but use technology to your advantage as parents, right? There are parental controls. Um, There are ways that you can limit different screen usage, different app usage. You can limit purchases. Um, Educate yourself on how to use these really crucial tools because that's going to make your job a lot easier. Um, Make sure that if your kid has access to, you know, your Apple ID or your your app store, that you're keeping an eye on your credit card usage, um, that you're keeping an eye on where your money is going. Um, Because maybe, you know, maybe they're buying things that they want or maybe somebody is has, you know, convinced them to buy something for the other, you know, for that person. Um, Just using technology to your advantage. I also want to note here, though, 
you know, we talked, I said at the beginning of this that I think our generation was the first to really, you know, we grew up learning stranger danger, internet safety in our curriculum at schools. I just want to tell you all that kids are smart and kids are, are incredibly talented with navigating technology more so than us adults will ever hope to be. Um, And so keeping in mind that if you don't keep yourself updated with technology, you may be falling behind, right? You may see something that your kid knows how to do on the internet that you had no idea even existed. So keep that in the back of your mind because as technology grows, that fact is even go- is just going to become more apparent. And in that same vein, keeping up to date with internet trends. Like what things are people discussing on the internet today or this week? Because internet ch- internet trends change all the time. Like if you're on TikTok and you can watch, like you can easily see just like trends changing weekly. But if you're keeping up to date with what trends are going on, you can then have discussions with your kids about the trends that they're seeing or about the information that is being spread through those trends. And heck, if your kid is on TikTok watching stuff and there's a trend going on that you can like potentially do and your kid wants to make TikToks or they're trying to make TikToks, make one with them. Because then again, you're taking a vested interest in something that they're doing, but it also gives you the ability to kind of look at their TikTok or look at if you have a shared TikTok account, you're the one who's getting all of those comments and stuff, and you're protecting your kid from getting those really those comments that are inevitably going to be awful online because it's the internet. So you're protecting your kid in that sense, but again, you're doing something with your kid that they're going to be like, oh, wow, that was kind of fun, hopefully. Or they're going to be like, wow, this is lame and cheesy because it's my, it's my parent. <laughs> but I can tell you as a 27-year-old adult now, the wow, though it was really cheesy moments of my parents. Like when I was growing up, I look back on like that was actually kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I want to just put in like a little caveat that says, you know, we've talked about all of this stuff with content creators and stranger danger, but all of this internet usage also opens up doors to family and family friends that could be predatory or, um, grooming your children and it definitely takes away that aspect of don't talk to those strangers online oh well i'm talking to you know aunt or uncle so and so so it's fine that i'm talking to them and i can go in my room be private with them um so just being mindful of those things because we know that a lot of sexual assault most sexual assault children happens from people that we know yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and another another thing to keep in mind is just your child's general behavior online. Cyberbullying is a huge issue, um, just as bullying is in real life. Um, but because people can hide behind screens, um, making sure that the things that your child is saying online reflect your values and your family's values is going to be really important. Um, and if they're not reflective of that, having taking that time to have those conversations and use it as a learning experience. And just keeping track of your kid's general demeanor. If you've noticed that their demeanor has changed or they've become more like sullen or like sad or like depressed or 
on the flip side they're like super happy and go lucky all the time now like there's a reason for it happening so talking to your kid seeing what they're doing online because you might find the answer there most of all, we just want kids to be safe. Um, we want parents to be safe. We we know that this is an ever-evolving issue. Um, and we probably didn't touch on even a fraction of the issues that could happen with technology safety. Um, but again, we're just gonna we're just gonna encourage parents out there and individuals maybe who don't even have kids just to be mindful of what you're doing online. Um, if you see red flags, trust your gut. Um, and do a little investigation. I, I think that that's the most important thing is, is that we are mindful and we are open to, um, to learning more when we uh, might feel threatened or see red flags. Absolutely. And take that active approach. If you know that you have minors family, friends, kids, your own nieces and nephews, things like that on your social media, and you want to post some content that's maybe questionable, that maybe wouldn't quite be appropriate, take the time to go in and block them from that content or make the decision not to do it anyway, because if it's not appropriate for them to see, maybe you shouldn't be posting it anyway. So with that, thank you all for listening today. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Touchy TouchySubsPod to keep up to date what we have going on or just other content that we release out. Send any questions, comments, or concerns to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects. <laughs>